Hey everybody, welcome to the Mando Fan Show here in the Resistance Base. Uh, we're calling this episode, episode 5, There's Something Familiar About This Place. And the reason <laughs> for that is Tatooine, but we'll talk more about that later. We're here to talk about chapter 5 of The Mandalorian called The Gunslinger. Uh, Lacey is here with me and joining us, a call in the subs, last second, uh, in the clutch, two outs, bottom of the ninth, Clayton Sandell. Welcome, Clayton, to the Mando Fan Show. Scraping the bottom of the barrel on a no, Friday no. evening. Good to be back. How are you guys? Good. Now, you didn't spend Good. any more money on your production budget for your set back there, right? Since the last No, we blew, we, we blew through that budget, so that, there's, there's that nothing left. Capped. <laughs> I, I can't. Change. I can rearrange things and, right. and you know maybe change the color of the lights, but that's about it. <laughs> All right. We'll wait till quarter one, fiscal quarter one of 2020 to update the, exactly. Uh, the set. Um, no, correct. but thanks so much for uh, for rearranging stuff and joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so the Gunslinger. We are five ace through the season of the Mandalorian, <clears throat> and what we're going to do here first, as always, is rate the episode. 0 to 10 on the Pedro Pascal face scale. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see the icon come up with <laughs> the slots for Pedro Pascal's face because that's the only time we're going to see it, I think, uh, talking about The Mandalorian. But uh, I'm going to start off and just give my rating, which is actually my lowest of this season. Uh, oh. I gave this episode a 6.5 uh, on the Pedro Pascal face scale. And I know I'm getting booed right now, I'm sure, out there. I'll try to give my reasons why in a little bit, but now we'll go to... Uh, Lacey, what did you rate uh, Chapter 5 of The Mandalorian? So, I gave this an 8, which I believe I gave... That's low for you. But I also gave, I think, Episode 4 an 8? It was something like that. And I remember I was talking to my husband today about it, and he was like, so did you like them equally? And I was like, no, I kind of like this one better. And he's like, then how can they be the same score? <laughs> so, we're just, we're, ha we're winging it. It's, You're it's, winging it's it. An eight. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, all right, Clayton, your first rating for the Mando Fan Show, Chapter 5. What did you give this one? My first rating, I gave this seven and a half Pedros. And I was thinking if there was a comparison, you know, Episode 3 for me was the best so far, and that would have been uh, nine and a half Pedros. So all just, right. just to give you an idea where I fall on the scale. Okay. So as a measure there, I like that because yeah. I believe three with chapter three is my highest too with like an eight five. I haven't touched okay. nine yet. I'm being very picky. I okay, gave my, yeah. I gave it a nine. Did you? Okay, there you go. I have a feeling Taika Waititi is going to get me into the nines with the final oh, episode. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, all right, and then that averages us out to a seven point three three. So seven and a third. Pedro faces. There it is on the screen. I'm sure because Lacey's very good at magically making things appear. This yeah, side of the nose. Right there. Yeah, that side of the nose, a third of Pedro's face. Um, so, Lacey, uh, our patrons, we what we do is we pitch it to them to give their scores, and you averaged out their score. Were they near us? What was their score for this uh, chapter? They were close to us, but surprisingly, a couple weeks ago, I think it was with episode three, because everyone likes episode three. Uh, we had like 12s and 11s and 21s. Cheaters, yes. Like was, crazy yes. numbers out of 10. Yeah. Too many faces. This week, we had a ton of fives, sixes, sevens, very Ooh. low, uh, but they came close to us with a 7.5. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's probably the closest we've been in line with uh, the patron scores. They're usually um, way above us, positivity-wise. 
They're very positive <laughs> people. Yes, yes. Um, like your scores. You're yeah, in, they're you're on the Lacey me. scale. In the Lacey scale, yeah. Okay. Now, remember, guys, if you want to be featured on the show, uh, just tweet out your reactions to each chapter using hashtag MandoFando. We'll find it, and we'll put you on the show just like this person did. That is Evan at Harris, Harris Ev 9 How are you, Evan? Evan was a little uh, critical. I'm not going to lie. Mm. He's a positive. He's always positive honest. Usually. Yeah, he is honest. I appreciate That's true. his honesty. So Evan said, didn't enjoy this episode overall. Had its fun moments, and Fennec Shand was great, but the story and the characters weren't developed much. The tone felt off, and it was predictable yet again. For me, the two weakest episodes have come from Filoni. Yikes! Not like an I don't know, and I don't know if Evans maybe just not a Filoni guy. Maybe he doesn't like the animated series. I loved the first episode though. I liked it too. Yeah, yeah. Clayton, how, so, so were you a fan out of the gate? Episode chapter one. Uh, n- you know, I was a fan, but it wasn't, uh, uh, I-, I wasn't over the top. I think I would have given, uh, the first episode about a seven. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they got better as, uh, two and three went on for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, okay. I, 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 it was, um, it was a bit of, you kind of had to ramp up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I mean, we'll get into we'll get into that more in the discussion in a bit, I guess. Um, but uh, again, you know, if you are a patron of the Resistance broadcast, you can get the highway speeder bike style right on the show here by leaving a <laughs> comment. And General Micah Harrison did that, and he wrote, "I give this seven Pedro Pascal faces. I truly enjoyed some of the throwbacks and seeing all the Easter eggs, but." As an overall episode in comparison to the others, it was just a little less compelling to me. Still loving Mando, and of course being able to talk about it at 5 a.m. with Todd Knows Best and the rest of the 3 a.m. Patreon squad. This is the way. So we they're have a lot on of soon, yeah. yeah, as soon as it goes up, there are people like, did you see this? That's great. I love that. Um, all right. Now, speaking of did you see this, let's start talking about some Easter eggs that we spotted perhaps in this episode. No, Clayton, you have an article uh, on GMA that you did that we can get into. Um, but context is not important here. Uh, basically, anything that is uh, a throwback or an Easter egg that caught your eye or a reference, a quote or something that's a callback to. Uh, so let's oh, go man. around. We'll go around the room one at a time here. Uh, Clayton, we'll start with you. A callback, a Easter egg, reference that you spotted in uh, this chapter of The Mandalorian. Well, this is the thing. I mean, there were so many of them, and I know we'll, we'll talk about them. But uh, I mean, for me, it was uh, uh, when the Mandalorian walks into the most Eisley Cantina. I mean, that was just like we have not seen inside of that place in uh, four decades or so, and right. uh, it was uh, it, for me that was that was the awesome part of it. But I, I, I will say, I think that part of my my slightly lower score on this is that. I was torn because there were so many great Easter eggs and callbacks and references. There was just so much coming at you the entire episode. Um, but at the same time, yeah, for me, it was uh, the, the story didn't didn't advance uh, a heck of a lot uh, in in this chapter. But uh, mm-hmm. but I I thoroughly enjoyed all of the callbacks. In fact, I I was. Uh, I had I had to go back and look. I knew Filoni had directed the episode, but I didn't know that he had he had written it. 
Uh, yeah, so right. I was sort of curious to see who was behind this, whether it was uh, uh, Favreau or Filoni, and uh, so I had to go back to the to the credits to see that. But yeah, so I was kind of kind of torn. So many, but for if I had to pick one Easter egg, it, it had to be walking into the cantina. Okay, okay. Well, we'll we'll make it back around to you for a few more. Um, Lacey, did you have uh, an Easter egg you wanted to bring up? Um, on the same kind of path. The droid that's the bartender in Mos Eisley is the one from Jabba's palace, well, similar right. droid, and right. that's yeah. personally one of my favorite scenes in Return of the Jedi, where R two starts like cop and sass, and he's just like, "You're a feisty one. I've got a job for you." And then he makes him a bar. Yeah. <laughs> he's oh yeah. Drinks. Right. So right. like You'll that. Soon learn some respect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. 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 <laughs> I saw him and I was like, "It's the feisty yeah. guy." I was like so excited. Um, but also, like, this isn't necessarily an Easter egg, but the bar being very empty was kind of, like, disarming for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, so empty. But then they say, because the guild left, everybody probably left with it. Yeah, no music, right? You didn't hear yeah. uh, the tonal nodes. Um, yeah. um, I, I'm sure there's a canon explanation of where those guys went in some comic book. But Right. Um, so mine's... It's been done in Star Wars before, but mm-hmm. I have to say... In the beginning, right before the title came up, I pumped my fist at six in the morning <laughs> because Maverick hit the brakes and he flew right by him and he blew up that guy using the Top Gun, hit the brakes, the air brakes maneuver in space, which I know Luke had done in Endor and I know uh, it was done in um, Order 66 and that sort of thing in Revenge of the Sith. But to me, it's a Top Gun callback and uh, I, that's my headcanon. So. Uh, I love that moment. He was about to get blown away. He's got little Yoda there with him. Oh, tiny, whatever we want to call him. Hits it. The guy flies in front, locks him, blows him mm-hmm. away. Loved it. Loved that. Yeah, part. it was. Good. How do we know Top Gun didn't get it from Return of the Jedi? Dun Ooh. dun dun. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I love that you to... said that, and then we're no, like, it's not. Yeah, we're gonna have to call Jerry Bruckheimer and be like, dude, what? What's <laughs> yeah. the deal? Clayton, get the connections. Get that guy on the horn. (laughs) All right. um, Clayton, do you have a a few more you want to point out? Well, yeah. So I I liked how there were uh, a lot of references from from all aspects. Like you had original trilogy references. You had prequel references. You had even, you know, the Sabat game was yes. uh, that uh, that Amy Sedaris's character is playing with the, the pit droids who themselves are, you know, prequel mm-hmm. reference. Uh, that, that Sabat, you know, game from Solo. So it was cool how they kind of incorporated a lot of, they didn't just pick from one different Right. Uh, or from, from one area or one movie or one era. They kind of mixed them all together, which I thought was... Uh, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, I, uh, you know, just the fact that it was Tatooine was was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. that shot, and I, I didn't mention this in the article, but I, I thought it, um, there is a, a shot as the ship is coming in over the planet, and there's even that sort of wispy cloud system that uh, that was in the original Ralph McQuarrie um uh, matte painting when they when they when they made the original film, which mm-hmm. was so similar, and it was like a dead giveaway for Tatooine. It's like, <laughs> right. the, it's like the red right. spot on uh, Jupiter or whatever. Uh, yeah, it just kind of reminded me of of that. So so just having uh, the chance to go back to Tatooine, which we haven't really seen since the closing shots of Revenge of the Sith. Right? I mean, it's been a while. Right. Um, 
Unless you're counting, of course, Star Tours. <laughs> you didn't get to go to Tatooine and Star Tours. Right. Uh, but it was cool because this is the, uh, you know, one of, if not the most iconic planet in all of the entire Star Wars galaxy. Tatooine is where it all began, right? So yep. uh, it was fun to go back there uh, in in the, in that way, which was uh, uh, just awesome. And, and the... The docking bay looked exactly the same. It was laid out the same. It had the stairway where we saw R2 kind of uh, hobbling down in the original film. And the the style of, even the style of numbers on the outside wall there was, you know, the attention to detail was was fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, Tatooine, big one. That's huge. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, like, when you were on the Resistance broadcast with us, you were talking about that volume room and how people didn't realize whether if it was real or fake. Yeah. In the set. I wonder if they recreated the docking bay room itself via the imagery from A New Hope almost. Because um, it looked yeah, so, I'm sure. so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was uh, it, it was uh, inspired by it, and, and who knows? They, I mean, I know they have the original blueprints. Maybe they kind of blocked it out and uh, look. Right. Oh, I will tell you on on second viewing with my son tonight, uh, I noticed uh, there's a green screen uh, that was not uh, taken care of in the visual effects that pops up. This is if you rewatch the scene. Uh, where Amy Sedaris, uh, and her name is... Uh, Pelly or something. Uh, Pelly Motto, I think. Something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, when when uh, the child, when Baby Yoda comes out of the back of the Mandalorian ship, when he's coming down the ramp of the, the Razor Crest, and she walks over and picks him up. If you watch it, uh, maybe on a computer monitor, the lower left corner, uh, you can see just a hint of a green screen that wasn't painted out that doesn't show up in subsequent shots, but it's back there if you look for it. There's just a little That's sliver so of green screen. Yeah. Oh, George would be yeah. so mad. <laughs> I know. Yes, exactly. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, but it was fun did to you notice, and I want to get to, I know Lacey always has a good list here. So um, I'm crossing him off as he's going. He's got, he's getting, him, he's good. Clayton and, La- Clayton and Lacey, because you both love A New Hope. Did you notice that the shot of uh, most Eisley from a distance looked verbatim yes. the shot that they're yeah. overlooking on yep. that mountain with Obi-Wan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. And the two moons as he's approaching the planet was verbatim the same shot of the Corvette flying over Tatooine 2 in the first shot almost of uh, A New Hope. That's what I yelled at this morning was the shot of overlooking. I just was like, ah, Tatooine. Like, and I, I, yeah. I want to know if in some kind of special features or something later on, they're going to say, well, guess what? We use the original matte painting yes. for that too. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of thing. That'd be cool. But um, all yeah, right, I, mean, I, I was actually curious to go back and kind of compare them and see if they are the same. Oh, Cause it wouldn't, that would wouldn't be cool. shock me if they, if they, right. did that. well, like, since you have Disney plus, you can, yeah, tell these up. two apart, and you're just looking back and forth <laughs> trying to find differences, and you just can't exactly. do it. Yeah. Maybe some erosion on the mountain from uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tatooine climate change. But anyway, uh, Lacey, what else you got? So I have the character Toro is basically like B-team Han Solo if I didn't like him. <laughs> like, if Han Solo was a character I hated, it would be mm-hmm. Toro. But, like, they have him sitting in the same seat, in the same position of Han Solo. The way he pulls his gun is Han Solo. Like, it, he's dressed like Han Solo. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. What is this? <laughs> right. What is right. going on? Um, but, yeah, no. A lot of Han Solo going on there. Um, I was looking for a blast mark in the wall, and I couldn't find it. 
behind him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the McClunky, the famous there. McClunky shot. The McClunky. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I agree. When I saw him with his leg up, I was like, how dare you? How dare I you? I sit where he sat. Yeah, yeah no. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a bold choice, though, to have right? him in the same booth, in the same position, right. feet up on the table. I mean, it was just like... A, a knock you over the head kind of reference. And I was right. just like, can we not? <laughs> right. And then he tells Mando Sacred to sit ground. where Greedo sat. And he's like, take a load off. And he's like, well, I don't know if you want to be sitting in that chair in that place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure if you asked Harrison Ford, he'd be like, I don't care. I yeah. don't care. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going with a quote. Um, mm-hmm. Clayton, I know you pointed one of these, a few of these out, but. Uh, okay. One that really jumped out at me is when he said, she's no good to us dead. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. Right out of Boba Fett's book uh, to Vader. Um, mm-hmm. So very on yep. the nose, but maybe it's just the style of how Mandos operate. And uh, I, I got a kick out of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good one. Now, you had others that you had pointed out, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, when, when they were, uh, out in the desert trying to figure out what to do and, uh, Toro's like, what are we going to do? And he's like, she's got the high ground. Yeah. She's yes. got the high ground. Yes. We got to wait. She, she's yeah. going to wait for us cause she's got the high ground. So that was, uh, an, uh, pretty obvious Obi-Wan and Anakin on, uh, uh, in Revenge of the Sith, uh, reference. But, um, yeah, I think those were the two two main ones uh that stood out the, the mm-hmm. she's no good to us dead i think there was a little fist pump when i heard that one yes uh that that was yeah. cool yeah um lacy any others like quote wise n- not necessarily no, but anything. like yeah. uh, mentions they mention the huts they mention the republic again which again every episode we hear about the republic it's how like incapable they are of doing what they need to do to get things going right yeah. Um. And then a mention, a mention of Beggars Canyon, which yeah, is where cool. Luke and and the Dune Sea and the Dune Sea. Yep. Uh, where old Ben was living out beyond it. Um, <laughs> I saw R five D four. What looked like R five D four rolling up in uh yeah in the most likely cantina, motivator intact, perhaps. Did, yep. uh, um, did you catch that she was playing for a motivator? Yes. Yeah. And I then did we see, see him in the next scene, and I was like. Is that his? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I actually missed him the first time around, but I saw him the second time. That was cool. Yeah. And she said that Mando's ship had a lot of carbon scoring, which yep. was R2-D2's affliction. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Why, yeah, in uh, A New Hope. So a lot of like A New Hope Easter eggs yep. from Tatooine on Tatooine again here. Yeah. <laughs> Filoni was really going for the member berries from um, the original movie there. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any final ones? Any any others standing out to you, Clayton, that you want to uh, throw out there? Uh, not really in the Easter eggy category, but more just uh, kind of big, big sort of tonal changes and and uh, things that seem to have evolved over time, which I thought were kind of fascinating. If you want to get into those. Okay, we well we'll get into that in a minute in the dis- when we just have a casual discussion about this thing. Um, Lacey, yeah. any final ones? Well, we didn't really talk about there are banthas, Tuscan raiders, a dewback, speeder bikes, and a gonk droid. 
Yep. Star Wars, Star Wars, my- Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. My son noticed the gonk droid right away. Yeah. Yes. It's always fun seeing cool. a gonk droid because you know there's a person in there just fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking around. That's it. it. And That's it's it from my list. It's about 120 degrees inside. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Unless yeah. they were in that uh, Manhattan Beach studio in a nice 68 degree <laughs> situation. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So um, we have a tweet here from Darth Glucosa who said, episode five, well, chapter five was the biggest Easter eggy fan service episode of The Mandalorian so far. Yeah. Uh, all starting with a very familiar space shot. Great episode as well. Way to go, Filoni. So you have someone there saying, way to go, Filoni, as opposed to, eh, eh, Filoni. Um, Would you say it was a Suga episode? A Suga episode. Suga. The egg, Jawa. Come on, guys. Oh. It was only two episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I forgot that that's what they said when they had the egg. Yes. Suga. It was a very su- yeah, Suga episode. Um, did you, by the way, did you guys see someone posted that shot of C-3PO dumping the Java bodies onto the fire from yeah. New Hope? Yes. I retweeted that with like the shocked face because R2 sitting there like, ooh-hoo-hoo. Right. Like he's warming <laughs> his hands by the fire. Warming himself. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, well, th- 3PO is really going to get into it in episode nine. Then they just show him dumping bodies onto fires in the very first Star Wars <laughs> movie. Like he's been there. He's seen a thing or two. Um, okay. So a spoiler breakdown in the episode. Let's have a chat about it in general. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're saying, stories, uh, moments and things like that. But to get warmed up, yeah. uh, Clayton, did you have a favorite shot in this episode? Something that stood out to you that... Uh, you know, um, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the opening sort of dog fight, well, chase, I guess it was, because uh, it was sort of the first time that uh, in a Star Wars series that we saw a battle, you know, happening in the stars, uh, which was which was fun. Uh, True. A lot of a lot of cool maneuvering, and you know, the Razor Crest, you know, that that thing's got some moves. It does. It's kind of a clunky looking ship design as Star Wars <laughs> ships go, but uh, but it was it was it was uh, it was you know t- diving and twirling and doing all sorts of cool stuff nice yeah i, like I mean those, i like that whole sequence i think yeah I, i'm just gonna jump on and, and say i agree with you from like moment one when people have been talking about oh it's been the slow two westerny and stuff and then right out of the gate yeah. the, the the two speeders or starships blasting at each other and that sort mm-hmm. of thing i got like kind of a attack of the clones vibes with the obi-wan and uh jango fett chase oh yeah um, so I dug that. And like you say, it's in a TV series and it still felt big and it felt Star Wars. So, um, and unfortunately for me, that was my favorite part of the episode, I think, but I liked, I liked it, uh, kicking off out of the gate even before the titles came up. That's what we saw. So I thought that was cool. And they um, even had an Easter egg back to the first episode of the Mandalorian with, mm-hmm. uh, the, that's my line. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, da, uh, yeah. warmer. Cold, That's how right? heavy Easter eggy this sh- this show was. <laughs> right, a, right. Suga. Suga. Yeah. Right. You're are you really trying to make that a thing? No, I just re- like that they say it. I think it's so funny. That was the best that, part of that episode. <laughs> was that your favorite shot of that episode? Them saying Suga. <laughs> yeah, kinda. What was your favorite shot from this episode? So I loved the beginning, like you guys did, but I also love the part where Baby Yoda comes down the ramp. Yes. Which I think is CG. Now, I know a lot of it's puppet, but I think that shot was very CG. It looked very CG to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Favreau recently, in the 5 billion articles that have been coming out for Star Wars this past week, said they did do CG for some stuff, but they tried to only limit it to how a puppet would be able to operate. 
So mm. unlike Yoda flipping around in Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. it would still have to move slowly and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and the puppet's um, eyes are always open, is what I've heard, and that they use CG to make it blink and stuff. But um, yeah, no, that was just, it was such a fun shot because you have Amy Sedaris's character being like, oh my God, I'm going to kill whatever's coming out of this. And there, here comes this little thing, just like, hey. Right. Well, anytime <laughs> in Star Wars you see that ramp lower, mm-hmm. it's always Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, Kylo stormtroopers, Ren. <laughs> or something, or something or bad. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or or Han and Luke saying, "Hey, can you give us a hand with this?" And then you blow them <laughs> away. Uh, but this time it was just little six pound eight ounce baby, sweet baby Yoda, which they're officially calling the child on merchandise, I guess. Yes. Which is funny that they're calling it the child, but yet Mando can't realize that he can't leave it alone. Yeah, true. Dude's got to get that memo together. (laughs) He's just missing it every episode. He has no problem just being like, hey, person, I just met you six minutes ago. Can you watch this This really prized child? child?" (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So let's just get into it then. Um, Clayton, why don't you start us off about this episode, your overall vibe, story, and, and that whole deal. Sorry, I was distracted by Lacey's cup, which is like three times the size of her head. <laughs> That's her motif, yes. Usually it's a barrel. Yeah, have, sorry. Yeah, what was one. the question? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I have that one. I have that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, just your overall uh, thoughts on this episode in general, uh, story arc, character angles, new characters, uh, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I liked it. I thought it was uh, uh, still doesn't live up to all of the uh, uh, re- the, the great turning points and action of uh, episode three or chapter three. But uh, but I still liked it, even though uh, you know it, it didn't advance things much. Um, I, I liked uh, I, I really liked Fennec Shand, uh, Shand and uh, I, I am hoping, and I want to know what you guys think too. I mean, I can't imagine she'd be gone already hopefully not Mm -hmm. um but she seemed to be you know laying in that same position for quite a while um as the as the suns went back down right yeah um so so i'm gonna kind of reserve judgment on it until we see what her uh, what her actual fate was. I I, I do think it would be uh, I think it would be a huge waste of talent <laughs> and and character for that uh, for that character to be to be gone already. But uh, but no, I liked it. Um, Yoda, baby Yoda, kind of takes a back seat in this one, uh, which I thought was was fine. I mean, he had he had his the, it, until he speaks or does something else. I mean, there's only so much cooing, you know, yeah. you can yep. get out of him right. with it. Right. Um, uh, I loved it. I loved Amy Sedaris. Uh, that was sort of a surprise. Uh, it took me a second with the wig. Like I knew it. And no eyebrows. The, I was like, what, who the, is this yeah, person? Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. The, the voice, it was like, well, wait a minute. Who is this? Oh yeah. And then when I, yeah. when I clicked, it was like, oh, that's cool. And kind of a neat, uh, you know, you saw you saw Horatio Sands. You saw sort of a comic in episode one, which is also or chapter one, which is also a Filoni episode. So it was kind of cool. He's like seems to be dipping into the the comedy uh, <laughs> right. sketch comedy world a little bit. To, That's a good point. Yeah. So round out his characters. So yeah, fill fill some of these roles, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I just I love the overall mix of uh, of uh, eras and 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 stories. Um, and two things stood out to me in this episode that 
kind of showed a little bit, and I don't know if it's uh, necessarily a, a PC thing or or what, but it certainly shows some sort of evolution in the Star Wars world and the Star Wars galaxy, and that is when the Mandalorian walks into the most Eisley Cantina. What struck me immediately is, uh, and then is that there are. Like you said, there's no music. There's there's a lot fewer people in there, but there are now droids everywhere. Right. So the place the place that banned droids that kicked C3PO and R2D2 out into the street. Right. We don't we don't serve their kind here. Uh, all the all all these years later seems to have had some sort of uh, uh, revelation. Maybe there was a galactic law passed or something. I don't know. Right. Some sort of equal equal access law. But now you have droids in the cantina, which uh, which struck me as. Uh, uh, being very uh, different. L3's um, efforts didn't die in vain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Droid, Droid rights. rights. All, Droid. all the way, yeah. Uh, which I thought was a really interesting sort of sort of change. Um, although, and then then I thought, well, in Oga's Cantina in Galaxy's Edge, I mean, there is a, a droid DJ. So, right. uh, you know, it's just a different world nowadays, guys. It's just different. <laughs> it's you know, it's right. more, more, more enlightened and droid friendly, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think more significantly, the one that stood out to me was, uh, the, the other scene that stood out to me is when uh, Toro and the Mandalorian run across a couple of Tusken Raiders, which... Uh, I thought it was great. I, th- I thought the way that scene was shot and the sort of surprise uh, uh, out of it was was cool. When he's he's sort of talking smack about him and they're standing right behind him and he doesn't know it, uh, which I thought was I thought was great. But um, you know, this there was definitely a message in there that this is not your 1977 Star Wars. Right. This was you know. Uh, they are sand people, Tuscan Raiders, clearly uh, a, an analog to Native Americans in, in that setting. And, you know, they were sort of purely evil bad guys back in 1977. And now the Mandalorian is showing them much more respect. Uh, he has a line in there about how um, he, he says the Tuscans think they're the locals. Everyone else is just trespassing. Right. And he, he takes the time to not just blast them <laughs> into the into the sand, uh, but takes this this time to do something which I've, I don't think we've ever seen before, which is sort of a sign language version uh, or a version of sign language in the Star Wars world. Right. Um, but takes the time and shows them the respect. Uh, to negotiate safe passage from one spot to another, which which really stood out to me as a big big difference. I mean, in, in 1977, he just would have pulled out his blasters and his explosions, explosives, or wear a robe and go like this, or wear a robe. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, which, make a which I thought was, sound, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I thought was a really interesting choice that uh, that they uh, that they that they went about it like that. But I suppose uh, that's just a a sign of the times and mm-hmm. a sign of theatrics from uh, Sand People in that they stayed quiet enough right next to him for him to talk smack <laughs> right instead of just con- immediately going arr, arr, arr. yeah <laughs> grabbing the stick and beating like, them into the sand they're like yeah. no let's sneak up on him and really yeah. stick it to him yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um no yeah i i uh, agree Lacey. um you gave this thing uh an eight so you dug it <laughs> what uh that's low on your scale but overall it's thoughts low on, the on episode? my scale uh, yeah. Overall thoughts, I thought it was good. I, I really enjoyed all the references. I'm a huge A New Hope fan. 
uh, I, similar to what people have been saying online, I see this as kind of like a filler episode, which I know some people don't like, but the way I'm saying it is when you want, when you read a comic series or watch any other show that has like 24 episodes in a season, every once in a while you get an episode that doesn't necessarily move the overall plot forward, but gives you a fun episode to watch. So if you miss it, you don't miss any big plot points, but you don't have to watch it to get the rest of the season. Like Buffy mm-hmm. the Vampire Slayer has a ton of those where nothing big happens, but she goes and fights someone or defeats some monster, and then that's the end, mm-hmm. and then they move forward. Um, yeah. I felt that like episode two, this is one of those episodes that like, if you missed it, yeah, you missed a lot of fun and you missed cool references as a Star Wars fan, but I don't think you necessarily missed anything. The only little piece that I'm like, maybe is the end where you see someone's feet. And I don't think that she's dead, Clayton. I think that if she was dead, they would have showed her face like they did with like Snoke where his tongue's out of his mouth. Like, uh. like the <laughs> fact that they have her facing. First of all, he shoots her super low. They never show the wound, and then they have her facing away from the camera, and they never show her face. And which he's is kind like, of a total noob, too. Right, but the other thing is, like, these little tips and tricks are things in movies that usually the person survives. If they're shot mm-hmm. low in the stomach, if they're facing yeah. away from the camera, you don't actually see them bleed or anything. Like, they're usually yeah. fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, but or, I I also thought the, the the I also thought that they've already done that gag with uh Grief Karga. Yes, they have. Getting blasted with the the you know hit hit in the Beskar uh the old west that he yeah. was carrying. Yeah, but I wonder if all these people that he's wronged are going to end up getting together by the end of the season to team up to kind of kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. imagine yeah. if they all are like, "Oh, he shot you. He shot me too. Let's go get him." Like, right. Yeah. Um, right. I, I, yeah, so I was thinking about this episode, um, and I've watched it twice now, and everything that stands out to me are, like, the Easter eggs and the nostalgia callbacks and all that sort of thing, and that's not enough for me, for me to love an episode, like, long-term. Like, it's like, it's like going on a Disney ride and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that's cool. But then you're like, oh, I'm not going to go ride Pirates again. Like, I know what's going to happen. So... <laughs> But um, I like the music more. That's starting to grow on yes. me a lot. Um, Loved the music. I, yeah, I'm like starting to like like Clayton. You had said a few episodes ago when you were on with us yeah. that you started humming it and you didn't realize. Yeah. that that's starting to happen to me too now. His main yeah. theme, the dong, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Um, so I'm really yeah. starting to let the music meld in and not have it stick out in my head. Um, so it's it's becoming part of the show, like melding in. Um, yeah. That the the episode itself, though, it's again my his ship is damaged. He needs to go make money to get it fixed. That that's chapter two. That's what happened. He had to go get the egg and get his parts back and fix his ship. The only difference Suga. is, yeah, the Ugnaught wasn't there to help him put it back together. It was Amy Sedaris's character. Um, so yeah, it there, it didn't do a lot. And I think what is concerning people is that it's only eight episodes. And people are still very shocked that these are like 28, 29 minutes long. So we have 90 minutes left of The Mandalorian Season 1. And people really want to see something happen here. Um, like Episode 3. Episode 3 was good from yeah, beginning to end like, where you felt like you got something out of it. You left that episode being like, that was awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, we're five eighths in, and we only have one Cara Dune episode. Grief Cargo's been peppered in here and there. Werner Herzog had his spot. Um, what's the deal with this Dr. Pershing guy? What's the purpose <laughs> of Baby Yoda? I feel like we're getting to the end real quick here. So I wonder if these next three episodes are going to be like a loaded trilogy to back end the season or what. I'm, I'll wait to find out. But this episode They'll each left... be three hours long, yes. <laughs> hey, hey let's, let's do it. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. We'll take it. But yeah, it left me a little flat. And I'm not a directing expert, but I feel like some of Filoni's shooting was a little like wobbly and 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 uh, almost like a person's point of view in a in a weird sort of way. Shaky cam. Shaky cam uh, yeah. when the three of them were kind of fighting in the darkness there. Um, but that end shot, the cliffhanger, I try to like, you know, put my brightness up and you see boots, you see a cape, you see a gun holster. Like, is that Giancarlo Esposito's character finally? Is that another Mandalorian? Is it Grief Karga? Like, do you guys have guesses on who you think that is? I mean, they, my, my buddy Ryan Parker today wrote an article for The Hollywood Reporter uh, su- suggesting it might be Boba Fett. What? I don't know that buy that one. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, my god! I don't know that buy that one. Um, but, yeah, I, I, my guess is it's uh, Esposito's character. That's who I thought okay. it was. But that was my assumption anyway. Um, Did he have a cape in the in the trailers? Do we recall? I think he has a black. Don't don't they all? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, black cape. Maybe it's Lando. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um, I I do I did want to just you know Phil Sostak. If you don't follow him, he's with the Lucasfilm uh, art department, and and he 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 put out a couple of tweets earlier today, which. which I thought sort of addressed this point. He says, I really don't get the recent uptick in denigrating certain TV episodes as filler. Not every chapter of a story needs to advance the overarching plot and quieter episodes, which enrich your understanding and love of the characters and worlds make the louder ones. He says, uh, that much more impactful. And I think he has a point. Sure. Absolutely. I I agree with that. Um, I just don't, I'm trying to think of what happened in this episode for the Mandalorian himself that made me look at him differently. Yeah. But I, I agree. I, you know, it's, it's a nitpick again. We're talking about she's, uh, how many, ever many hours of news, four hours of new star Wars content we're getting here. It's not all going to be high octane action packed. Um, we're going to need, you know, to, to kind of go up and down with ebbs and flows, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, I, I gave it a six, five, but I still really enjoyed it. I still, it's still Star Wars to me. So it's a six five in Star Wars, which if I put it up against something else, it'd be up here. So um, I just had a thought. You know, on the the Western trope theme, it occurred to me that the relationship with the man between the Mandalorian and uh, Toro sort of reminded me of that Clint Eastwood movie, Unforgiven, where he was sort of the gruffle, and then he had the the other. Uh, the young uh, gunslinger, and it got spit forever since I've seen that movie. But he, <laughs> who who talked talked a tough talk, but but couldn't see. Right? Wasn't that the plot of that film? Like he, he had he had vision problems, so he, he couldn't shoot straight. Um, right. And uh, the Clint Eastwood character kind of had to take him under his wing and show him what was what. But that's kind of what that relationship reminded me of. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like each episode they're kind of doing some kind of throwback to a yeah. certain movie or series or sure. something like that. I'm actually looking up Unforgiven right now. 96% yeah. of Rotten Tomatoes for Unforgiven, so well, check go. that out if you haven't yet. Yeah. <laughs> but how many how many Pedros? 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, many, that'd be nine, nine and a half Pedros, which would Pedro's. be low on Lacey's scale, but you know, still good, still good. <laughs> I've really messed up my scale starting with episode one. I was just really excited for it to be a Star Wars TV show. Maybe season two, I'll be more realistic. You're gonna come out of the gate giving it fives in season two just to start. <laughs> yeah, start low. Um, all right, so uh, one of one of our patrons, Chris. Uh, said, can you please you know, answer this question on the show? And he brings up a good point. So I want to see what your guys' take is on this. He said, do we think that Baby Yoda will speak like Yoda or will he speak basic like the Mandalorian because of phonetics, syntax, and semantics of the culture he's now being raised in? Uh, that's a tough one because we don't know uh, what he's been exposed to the previous 50 years of his life. Um, right. So yeah, that's a that's a really really good. I think I th- honestly I think it could go either way, but it would be kind of right. uh, it'd be kind of kind of cute to hear him speak in that weird backwards Yoda kind of way, talk, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, Lacey, what do you think? I'm gonna say the Yoda way because that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems I mean, to make fair. sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, Clayton, we uh, on the podcast, we've talked about this. And I want to see what you think. Some people are thinking he may be playing a little possum here and he may be a bit more advanced than uh, he's leading on. And he's kind of testing the Mandalorian a little bit like Yoda did at the beginning of their interaction in Empire, like flipping the switches, testing his patience and, and that sort of thing. Do you think anything's there? Or do you think we're just looking at oh, what we see? Uh, interesting. Yeah, well, he did seem to uh, move and get out of the way fairly quickly in that, that final shootout there back in uh, right. Docking Bay 35. Like, I thought yeah. it was an interesting kind of, uh, you know, they made a point to like, well, where did he go? And he's uh, like... Yeah, and, and he had he had, <laughs> he had uh, made a run for it uh, to protect himself, which... Uh, which uh, seemed kind of a weird point to make like the, the where did he go like you know he should have been just right there so possibly yeah maybe he's got some skills that we just don't know about yet all right very good okay now um we're gonna look ahead briefly to chapter six before we close it out but i do need to give away the mando code for this week so if you've been watching or listening you learned about the mando code a couple of weeks ago where we're revealing uh one number out of six, uh, one number each episode until the end and uh, until the finale. And when we reveal the final number, we will give instructions on what you can do to enter to win the bounty. Now, the bounty is a Black Series Boba Fett premium electronic helmet. So I hope you kept paying attention and you've gotten the first two numbers because the third number is coming at you right now. This week's number in the Mando code is seven. So you have three numbers out of six. Once you get all six numbers, you'll get instructions on what you need to do, and you may be able to win that sweet Boba Fett helmet. So, uh, all right, guys, looking ahead Am I to eligible? chapter six. Am I eligible for that, by the way? Yeah, you, yeah, you can win that. <laughs> you code. actually yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, you, you'll have to okay. hang it right behind you. Uh, yes, exactly. Right below that lightsaber, right, and right, that'll right, be my, your my, update. My death trooper yeah. helmet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Um, we are supposed to see a couple of those guys, I think, in Mandalorian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think we saw them. Yeah, yeah we've seen them in some stills, I think, or yeah, something. Anyway. 
Um, speaking of which, looking ahead briefly to Chapter 6, Clayton, do um, you think we're getting uh, Giancarlo Esposito? Where do you think uh, Rick uh, Famanua is taking us uh, in this next one? Yeah, I think uh, I think where where we've seen uh, in the last couple of episodes, kind of these random uh, bounty hunters coming out of the woodwork to try and get these two. I think now you're going to see in the next episode maybe a a higher level, more organized, um, uh, sort of full court press from from an, another imperial type with a lot of troops behind him to uh, to to really kind of step this search up because you forget, we haven't really gotten into it but there is some reason that the client and uh and pershing want this creature so we don't know what that right. we don't know what that is yet but we've you know the stakes are clearly very high uh, and they're going to do whatever they can to get him back so i think uh i think you know in the background of of these uh, kind of random bounty hunters that we've run into, uh, there's been some effort building to to create an organized uh, force to to really show up and and probably this is leading to some giant final <laughs> confrontation. But I think we're gonna start to see the uh, the beginnings of of that effort show up soon. I like that. Um, and then maybe you get all the people Mando's met along the way come in to help him. Sort of thing, perhaps. Like you yes. get Caradoon Car- show up, Ugnolty, mm-hmm. IG Eleven maybe with a new head. Who knows? Um, <laughs> little little Avengers at the end of uh, Mandalorian or something like that. There you but, go. Um, yeah. Uh, Lacey, where are we going in Chapter Six? What's going on? Well, I think playing off what Clayton said, you've got the Empire people that are looking for him, like those bad guys. But then you also have all the bounty hunters looking for him on the other side that they feel betrayed. Mm-hmm. So you now have two dangerous groups looking for him. So they're all going to probably converge at one point towards the end of the season, which we're getting towards that. But I think we're going to get uh, Giancarlo Esposito in the next episode. Nice. Because we have to introduce him at some point, And I feel like he's one of those characters that will carry through the next few, next three. Nice. And maybe your boy, Bill Burr. Where's Bill Burr? I've been waiting. Where's- oh, yeah, Bill yeah, Burr. Yeah. I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> He's the one I, that's shooting the blaster rapidly, right? In one of the Yeah, with like the yeah. 1980s. Yeah, the two, like, yeah. yeah. Predator style. The yes. Shoulder. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping we see more of Werner Herzog because my favorite line in the season so far is when they bring little Yoda in and he goes, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought that was so great. Anyway, Everything he um, says is so precise, too. I could listen to that guy just read me a story and I'd totally. be enthralled no matter what it was. It could be instructions on how to fix a lawnmower and I'd be like, all right. Put together you know, an Ikea sure. shelf. There you go. like, first you get the Allen wrench. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You can't have enough of those. Oh, boy. All right. So um, that's pretty much it. Um, so we are looking ahead to Chapter 6 one week from today. Um, uh, so, Clayton, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time rearranging your Pinch schedule <laughs> uh, biggest yeah. clayton P- fan Woo-hoo. pushing dinner back Woo-hoo. an hour all that good stuff um <laughs> as always uh, where can people find your uh, article about this uh chapter and where can people annoy you on social media yeah well I, I i tweeted it out today so my twitter handle is clayton underscore sandell uh and then uh you can if you go to abcnews.com and just search mandalorian i'm sure it would pop up but uh yeah those two places 
Excellent. Lacey, as always, everyone already knows, but where can they find you? People can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lacey Gillerin. All right. Thank you, you so can... much for that. Although uh, I'm disappointed Clayton has not worn a Kylo Ren cosplay outfit yet. No, so, no, I'm I'm woefully mm, short on my uh, birthday's Kylo in Ren February. Today. So if you want to, <laughs> okay, <laughs> very good. I will I will do my best. Right. I gotta see um, what the new costume is though for the new for, from the new film because they change every every film. Yeah, right. with the you, red. Yeah, you have to change it slightly the, to sell right. more action figures. Right, as always. Yes. Right. right, subtly, but not enough to redo the action figure. They still need that mold. <laughs> So just slight, like a paint variant. Exactly. That's true. Hasbro's got to pinch those pennies. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, you guys, uh, uh, make sure you go to StarWarsNewsNet.com every day for your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. You can find me, Lacey, sometimes Clayton, and always James on the Resistance broadcast on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, if you want to support us, head over to Patreon.com slash Resistance broadcast if you're not sick of us three times a week as it is. Um, I do want to thank our generals over there. That is Carmelo, Brian Shalito, Andrew Staley, Neil Lowry, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, J.G. Carr, Seth Keim, Micah Harrison, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you. You guys are the reason why this video happens. It takes a lot of time out of our day to make this stuff, uh, so we appreciate all of your support. Next Friday, we will be joined by Nick from the band Bayside. He's a huge Star Wars fan, so we're very excited to have him join us to talk about Chapter 6. So thanks for watching, listening, being Mando Fandos with us here on the Mando Fan Show. And we'll see you next Friday to talk more Mandalorian. See you around, kids.